and welcome back fourth and long fans it's your afl correspondent coach donnie hess here back with another of my interview series here and today i have mr steve feck steve how you doing sir doing great donnie thanks for having me on i mean i'm flattered i mean this is a footy podcast usually i'm relegated to music or baseball so this is a dream come true in some ways. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So I got to, I got to ask, I, I love getting to know uh, the people that I'm talking to a little bit outside uh, of the game of footy. Um, kind of, do you want us to give us a tiny bio of kind of what you do personally, different stuff, like kind of who is Steve Feck? Uh, <laughs> it depends whether you're asking my priest or my therapist or my family, but um I, I, I live here in Pittsburgh, PA. I've lived here most of the last 40 years. I, I, I work took me to various different places. I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, I'm quasi-retired. I have been working on some uh, podcasts and writing for a website about the Toronto Blue Jays based out of Canada. That's my latest um, life adventure. And other than that, I'm just a boring old fat guy. Well, at least you got a sense of humor about yourself. Nothing, nothing better than <laughs> being able to diss yourself. That's always, I, I'm, I'm constantly really good at that myself. So, so I got to ask a guy originally from New Jersey, living in Pittsburgh. How did you find footy? I found footy because I um, was very fond of pounding a few cold ones back in the day. And back in the mid to late 80s, uh, ESPN overnight used to carry a live highlight show about whatever happened in the previous, you know, week in the AFL. And I think that was right, maybe it might have even been right around when they went from the BFL to the AFL. I don't remember the exact years or timeline. And I just fell in love with it because as a kid growing up in New Jersey, really just across the river from New York City, there were a lot of Gaelic athletic associations going on. So Gaelic football was played on a regular basis in a park you know, just across the street from my apartment. So I would go over and I just loved it. And the minute I saw the first five minutes of footy on that ESPN highlight show, I was, I was hooked. It was, it, it, it instantly became my favorite sport. As obsessed as I am about baseball, footy, I love to watch it. That, that's an awesome story. And, and I've noticed that, that there's, there's a lot of people that are there, especially in certain age brackets that they, they saw it when ESPN was first going before they started getting a lot of their contracts with baseball and hockey and football and different stuff like that so it's always kind of cool to hear the, the old nostalgic I, I remember seeing ESPN for me was the grand final there for a while they would play the grand final every year mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I saw it there in the the late 2000s so so for those that are watching the YouTube feed they kind of already know but I gotta ask for those that are just listening to this podcast who is your club in the AFL uh the Saint kill the Saints now, that's relatively recent because I literally went all of these years without barracking for e any side. I just, I hold footy in such reverence. I felt that's an American, it was wrong for me to choose a side. I, I just wanted to, it's like going to the symphony and saying, well, gee, I like that cellist or I like that loudest. I mean, I, I couldn't do it. Like, I don't understand the obsession with Americans picking Premier League sides when they don't, 
you're not even English. You know, I understand if you mean if you're from Mexico or Italy or you were from the UK, okay, I can see pick it aside or you know, an ancestral home, but it makes no sense to me. It means it's root for an MLS team if you're in the US or Canada. Uh, but with footy, I mean, I, I know it's starting to get a foothold here. I'm hoping it's gonna follow rugby where it's gonna really catch on the, the more uh, clubs uh, start to form and where people get to watch it. But I never got it. But the last three years I've settled on St. Kilda and I did primarily because I, I did research, not just on the history, but I was trying to think what area, you know, what, what spiritual home reminded me most of where I grew up. And for me, uh, I was, when I was younger, I grew up across the river from New York, but then I went uh, to the northern part of the Jersey Shore, very near Asbury Park. In a lot of ways, St. Kilda is like Asbury Park, New Jersey. And you know, it being you know a, a Bayside kind of community, I sort of related to that. So it was either that or Geelong, and I don't like Ford, so I couldn't root for Geelong. So I settled on St. Kilda. That's an awesome story. That that is really cool. And and I think for some people, everybody's their path is different. And, and that's that's a really cool story. And 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 the respect and love for the sport is really, really respected. I really think that's absolutely awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that when you did find a team, you found a personal reason to, I, I think that's always the great thing is when I, I agree with what some people say is sometimes a club picks you almost more than you pick the club. It, it kind of connects true. with you a lot. And I love that. So, so kind of going off that a little bit, um, how would you, kind of express your fandom for the saints i mean i know it's relatively recent we kind of get that but i mean are you a person that you're going to get up and watch the games or are you kind of keeping oh. track of everything or is it just kind of one of those when i get a chance i will i mean in the, there's no there's no fandom that's perfect i i think fandom is fandom it's just the way it is no when saint hilda is on i'm going to watch them uh i have to admit the, this past season i didn't invest in the Fox Soccer Plus channel, where basically the majority of the games are available. Um, I really relied on uh, FS1, FS2, which showed a lot of the games when there was no other sports really going on in the world, and then the ESPN games as well. But I don't care what time it is, I will set the alarm. I'll make it a point of getting up and watching it, or I'm gonna go take a nap since I'm an old guy. I'm gonna take a nap in the afternoon so I can stay up for an 11.30 or 12 o'clock start and uh, watch the game all the way through. I'll record it and obsess and watch again and again and again, but I there's something about watching it live. I realize that I probably will never get to Australia since I don't like to fly hmm. five minutes, let alone 20 hours. But um, I, I want to feel as if I am part of the crowd, you know, and that I am, you know, barracking from my side in some strange way all the way here. I don't know how many thousands of miles that it is. Me being there matters, and it maybe makes a difference to the game. And it doesn't, but it makes you feel better as a fan. I definitely agree. I mean, I'm the same way. I set my alarm. If the game starts at 2.30 a.m. here, I set my alarm for 2.15. I'm up, and I have the Watch AFL app, so I kind of get it on my iPad so I don't have to worry about waking up everybody in the area that I live. But it, it is. I mean, you, you kind of you, you get the connection. You want to see the games live. There, there's just there's something about watching the game live, no matter if you're in a TV in, in, 
in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or our living room in Des Moines, Iowa, or in the MCG watching them. So it's that's always just an awesome thing. So, so, uh, so you've been into your club for three years. So I got to ask, do you have a favorite player currently? And then you did say that you kind of dove into the history of St. Kilda, which has, which has a expansive history. Um, are there any old time players or past players that you enjoy hearing about? Um, I, I can't say that like looking back, I think uh, James Frawley's dad uh, is, is one that jumps up. So I was really excited to see, but, uh, yep. probably uh, leverage his retirement and come out <laughs> and sign with St. Kilda. Uh, currently, I, I tend to focus for whatever reason, you know, on the defenders. I mean, I, I, there's always everybody's going to be like, I mean, Patrick Dangerfield, for me, I would watch him brush his teeth. It's it, just something about him. You know, he's not, not a St. Kilda player, obviously, but all those years that I, would, I didn't really have a specific side, I would have to say he and Ablett, those were the guys that I truly, truly loved. And uh, currently, I mean, I, I would say Nick Copfield, Jake Carlisle, I, I just like, you know, the way, uh, I, mean, I mean, they're shut down defenders, you know, and I just like the way they carry themselves, you know, on the pitch. And I'm sure, Getting to watch James Crawley on a you know on an every match basis, I'm sure I'm gonna fall in love with that guy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some good ones, and definitely really really solid backline players. Definitely ones fun ones to watch. So, so kind of going off that way, we've got our individual players. So now kind of going off as a team. I mean, I know last year was a good was a really good year for them. Um, kind of what were your thoughts on St. Kilda's season last year? They bring in all the recruits. They have a much better year. They get into the finals again. I mean, was it was it a positive thing for you? Do you see? Did you were you really excited that your team got back into the finals? Kind of kind of what were your thoughts on last year's uh, St. Kilda Saints team? Well, I mean, I was excited because I I think. You could see as the, as the season progressed, especially with all of the changes, you didn't really know from one week to the other, you know, we're we going to be at the GABA. I mean, are we going to, you know, you never knew really where you were going to end up. Mm-hmm. So I think you could see them gaining confidence as they did better. Even when they didn't win the match, you could see they were gaining confidence. And I found at least that they were much more opportunistic. I was going to use the word aggressive. But I, I think if you're aggressive in footy, that can be sometimes if you don't really have the, the talent to match, that can be a bad thing. But I think that they were very opportunistic. You know, they, they, they took advantage of the chances for the most part. I mean, the kicking could have been a little better, but I think last year you could say that about just about any team. You know, the kicking was kind of inconsistent. Um, but uh, I was very excited. I mean, the, Finishing sixth on the ladder, that is terrific. Um, I think I mentioned earlier when Ratton was signed on, uh, I remember how he really, he kind of put Carlton back into relevance after several years of of that thing. I think he got them back into finals play, uh, assisted on those great uh, Hawthorne teams. So I I was really excited when they brought him on because it, it just seemed that not only does he instill confidence in his players, but he lets them play. 
I mean, yes, yes, there's a strategy, but he seems to let his players play. And I think that spells some really great things going forward here for 2021. Great. And that's actually a great transition because I, I know that we're right now we're kind of in between we're in between seasons now and, and I'm one of those I'm I'm weird I like keeping track of the offseason I like the trade period I like the free agency period I like the draft. Um, are you a fan that kind of keeps an eye on the, the offseason stuff or are you kind of like well we'll all kind of keep track of it once we get a little bit closer to the season. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, I, I do it, you know, through podcasts, you know, basically, I, I try to catch you know, your uh, show whenever I can, uh, Duck and Quarters um, out of Western Australia. Um, I, I, during the season, I listen to them every, you know, every week. I know they're on, I think, more than once, but I try to catch them at least once a week. I'll go to the websites. You know, I have the app on my phone, but um, I don't really obsess about it as much. I kind of let it build gradually. And once... Now, now we're getting close because I think the first match is against GWS on the 21st of March. So I'm starting to gear up and say, okay, now I need to pay a little bit more attention. You know, I know, I know they, you know, solidified the midfield. Uh, refresh your memory. How did they solidify the, met, the midfield? So that's sort of mm-hmm. how I approach, you know, the off season. Um, I get so confused as the draft's going on how, you know, players, the slots go up and down. And and it's, I understand from a business aspect why that happens. But I think for, and I consider myself a casual fan, as passionate as I am, because I am in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm not in Melbourne or Perth or anywhere in Australia. About, uh, About halfway through the draft, I'm like, well, wait a minute. I thought they were picking 52nd, but... Why are they picking 61st? I, I, I get lost. I just wait. And then I read the recap later on the website. Yeah, especially with the, with the bidding system and the father son and everything like that, it can get really really confusing. Yeah. So it's it's you kind of have to try to dumb it down as much as you can. And I, the the one thing I got to give, um, I've talked to several Australians, and even some of them are like, I still don't get it. Like we've had it for years, and I still don't understand it. So 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 don't find yourself as as being the only one that gets a little bit confused. And I completely understand it. And it, and it is it's a very intriguing system, and I I find. It has some, some things that are just like, huh? And you, you, it makes you double take. It makes you double take. But then I, I love the father son rule. I think that's absolutely awesome. I think that would yeah. be absolutely cool. Like I would almost love to see it somewhat kind of partially adapted here in the states, where it's like, if you get like a really fame, a really famous player that that had like a great career that that um their son could maybe potentially be able to play in that same club and, and we don't get that we don't get that nostalgia as much uh i mean i think the seattle mariners are one of those that that they got lucky they had ken griffey and ken griffey jr so they, they, but it doesn't happen very often a lot of times some of these kids they don't go to their dad's place uh where they played so it, it really is but for me i think it's, it keeps the kind of family aspect of footy a little bit with the oh, oh i agree i mean again you know i i write and do a podcast about the toronto blue jays mm-hmm. and the core of their team are all sons of former major leaguers you know or and, and you know you have you know vlad guerrero so technically well there's no montreal expos anymore so mm-hmm. he would be a washington national and 
Kevin Biggio would be in Houston and mm -hmm. Bo Bichette would be in Colorado. That would be such a cool thing if they had the rights, you know, yeah. to claim first. Again, I, I think the player would have to have some input. I don't think the, the, the baseball union would allow that to be, oh, no, you, you have to go to wherever, Pittsburgh or wherever. I think it's, uh, but it's a fascinating idea. Yeah, well, if I if I remember correctly, even in the AFL, they have to nominate that. Like, if they want yes. to do father son, they have to nominate. So that is kind of like they're they're not just. I mean, you're Stephen Silvani's son, so you have to play for Carlton. No, they have to literally say, okay, I'm going to invoke the father son role. I'm going to nominate Carlton as my club, so on and so forth, yada yada yada, and all that. So, so I think that's really really cool, and it does. Like I said, it keeps the family heritage, like the Silvanis and different stuff like that, in their club. So, so kind of transitioning from that, um, AFLW is coming up. And I, again, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of women's footy. I think it's, it's an absolutely awesome product. Um, the St. Kilda Saints have their women's club. Are you going to be keeping an eye on the Lady Saints this year? And um, uh, kind of what are your thoughts on going into the AFLW season? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I don't follow it as closely as I really want to. I find myself I don't want to say get distracted, but you know, you, you watch the matches when you can. You certainly, if I'm going to barrack for the men, I'm going to barrack for the women. And I, I agree. I mean, actually, in many ways, I think the AFLW product, as far as week to week, a consistency basis, to me, I think it's a much more consistent product mm -hmm. that's that that's put out on you know, you know, on on the pitch than the men's side. Uh, and I don't know why that is, but it just seems that it's much more consistent. I don't want to say the women are more focused or paying attention or, you know, or hurt anybody's feelings or anything, but it just seems that way that you could pretty much count. Okay. If your team and the, and the first game in the ladder is going to look pretty much as it did in the third game and the fifth game, and on down the road. So I, I really do hope I can catch more and I hope I can actually focus in it. But I, I certainly, I get my alerts on my phone so I'll know when the match starts. I'll know when the match is over and I'll try, then try to read the stories and become a little bit more informed than I, than I am now. Yeah, and I think in some situations it's because of the fact that a lot of these girls, they're learning the sport even more because and unfortunately there for the longest time and they had to stop at 12 years old. Auskick stopped at 12 for girls. They had to go to netball. They had to go to tennis. They had to go to rowing. They had to do everything else except footy. So I think that's the, the progression of women's footy and the skill sets at younger ages now. And that's the, one of the things that I love is that seeing the expansion in Australia of all the all the states seeing 100 200 300 percent growth in women's and young girls footy is absolutely awesome it's going to take a little bit to get the skill levels to the AFLW the AFL men's standards it's going to take a while it's not something that's just going to instantly happen these girls have to learn these skills but I love it because I think they want to learn so much they want to play the game and I think that's the reason why I kind of agree with you I think there is a little bit bit more consistency in the game because you know what you're getting because these girls want to learn this sport they want to get better at it and i love the infusion of irish players now we have danny marshall with americans and i think 
That's one of the things being in the USAFL is I want to see some more USAFL girls find the opportunity down there until Australia's women's program gets a little bit stronger and gets more numbers and gets more youthful skills. I mean, each and every draft class brings in 50, 60, 70 more young girls, 18 to 19 years old into the league. And it's only going to get stronger. I mean, I'm a Swans fan. And even I go as much as I would love the Swans to have a license I don't mind waiting two or three years to let the the talent pool get bigger and bigger and bigger because it'll only make the product that AFLW puts out that much stronger. So, so as much as I I want it to happen soon, I I completely understand why it may take a few years, but that's perfectly fine because I'm going to enjoy the sport that much. more. Right. You know, I think the challenge too is that like in Sydney, you know, or, or up in Queensland, Rugby is king. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, if I'm not mistaken, women's rugby has had a place in Australia for a while. And certainly here in the States, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I, I, I hope that women's sporty is going to catch on here eventually. But I think women's rugby has a strong enough, you know, you know at the collegiate level, at the amateur level, it's going to be tough to get that foothold in there because rugby is more familiar at this point. It's going to take some education to get them uh, obsessed like you and I are about footy and you have that love there. But so, I mean, I think it's tougher, you know, in Sydney uh, in certain markets, but it doesn't mean that, you know, eventually COVID's going to go away. So you can, go, you can have interstate travel again. So it won't be as difficult for a young lady in, you know, Victoria or in Western Australia to come over to Sydney or up in, into Queensland and, you know, play on an amateur club there. So like, as you said, time will tell. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Know, it, it, some, sometimes you don't want to wait. You want it. No, no, now, now, now. I want it now, now, now. Yeah. And so it's a very, very American approach, I think in some ways, but uh, I, whenever I can, I will certainly support, you know, the, the AFLW whenever I can. Definitely, for sure. And then this is a question I always love asking. It's one of the last questions that I ask every single interview, and it's always so much fun hearing the variety. Um, what is the most favorite, your favorite game that you have ever seen footy-wise? It can be a Saints game. It can be any game. What is your favorite game that you have ever seen a footy? Wow. Um I'd have to say the first premiership that West Coast won. And I'm trying to rack my uh, ever-aging brain as to who they played. But uh, that, to me, that was not only a, an amazing season, that was a terrific grand final. And why can I not remember who they played? Are we, are we talking the 1993 grand final, the first ever? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That was Geelong. It was Geelong, if I remember correctly. You know, I should know that because I'm in off. theory, I kind of followed, you know. I, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty positive. Yeah. That, I'm pretty positive that the 1993 grand final was Geelong, was Geelong versus West Coast. Because that was, the, if I recall correctly, that was the first time a non-Victorian team had won the premiership and a lot of people absolutely lost their minds when that happened. Um, 
just because of the fact it was the first time the cup was going to leave Victoria because with it being the VFA and VFL, um, it had never, it had never actually left um, Victoria. So uh, I can double check here real quick. You can't say that to Port Adelaide fans or Norwood fans because they will tell you, oh, no, 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 no. We were the most dominant team outside of Victoria all these years. And we didn't do it. You did everything you could to keep us out because you were afraid of us. So you really can't. You're going to make sure that anybody that's in South Australia or that are Port Adelaide supporters that we don't offend them. Yeah, unfortunately, but it was more of, it's more that it was the first time that the, the, the grand final had ever been won by a team outside. Right. Of, yep. 1992. 92. Yep, 92. Great. Geelong versus West coast in the grand, in the grand final. Cause I had actually, I've seen at one time, I think the full game was on YouTube and I remember watching it and mm-hmm. you can definitely tell us it's such a different game from, from those late nineties, even in, and, uh, but that was, that was a really good game, but that that's, it's a really good one. Uh, that's that's probably one of the one of the more unique ones I've heard. Um, that's awesome, Steve. Um, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. Um, I'm finally glad we were able to to uh, get yes. connected after kind of a few things had come up. Um, um, it's been thoroughly fun. Um, I know you had discussed you do a podcast about the Toronto Blue Jays and you do um, some blogging. I think it was. Um, if you'd like to talk about that, just in case somehow we've got some Blue Jays fans or uh, just kind of see the uh, give you a chance to uh, talk about your work. Okay, well, I mean, I'm never adverse to shameless plugging, but yes, uh, I am a contributor to jaysfromthecouch.com. Uh, it's been it's been around for quite some time, and we're trying to expand off, you know, what we're doing here. Uh, the podcast is available anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all, you know Google, all the usual, you know, uh, podcast places. But what we've been doing the last several months is we've been live streaming on Sunday nights at seven o'clock. So the Jays from the Couch podcast is recorded and we stream out on our YouTube channel, uh, Facebook live page. It's also on the, on the Twitter feed. And just this past Tuesday, my personal YouTube channel show, the on skirt circle started. It's going to be Tuesday nights at seven o'clock Eastern time in the States. Uh, it's, Blue Jay centric, but I get annoyed enough in everything baseball that I, I can entertain and engage um, a fan of any baseball fan, a Brisbane Bandit fan. You know, my man Dave Nilsson could tune in and he could relate to some of the rants that I, I go on. So that's absolutely awesome. I would definitely, I think I'm going to definitely check that out. I'm not, I've unfortunately, my love of baseball has kind of waned because the game's gotten a little longer, but I don't know. We'll, we'll hop back in. I, I grew up in, I grew up uh, in, in a divided household that made the 1995 world series quite interesting for me. If you, if you know what I mean. Um, that was, that was what, Braves Yankees or was that Braves Indians? Uh, that was, that was Braves. Oh, I'm thinking 1991 Braves twins. Oh, Braves twins. Yep. Yeah. Cause my, 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 uh, my mother's side of the family was in Minnesota. So they're huge twins fans. And my, my father's brother lived in Atlanta for a while and brought back Turner broadcasting to my father. My father became a huge Braves fan. So 1991, I'm six years old and 
the two teams that I supported or kept an eye on played each other in the World Series. So I was kind of one of those. I, I, as much as I loved watching my two teams in the World Series, it kind of stunk because one team had to lose. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, because what do you do? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, and that's another reason I think I didn't jump on and barrack for a team right off the bat back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I just loved the game so much. Yeah. I didn't want to get caught up in, in, in your frustrations with the fandom because no matter how much you love a team, there's always a player that you're going to hate. Mm-hmm. And there's no real rational reason for it, but you hate the guy. And if he does something stupid, it totally ruins the rest of the game for you. So, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that always stinks, but that's, it's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, no matter what sport, it almost always happens for some some reason or another. Steve, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad that we finally were able to catch up. Um, you have yourself a nice evening, sir. Um, it's been great. And uh, to all my fourth and long fans, thank you again for listening. And we will be back very soon with another episode. Have a good night.